Hey, what's up everyone? This is Dr. Anur Singh. I'm a physical therapist, yoga teacher, and movement practitioner. And you are listening to Movement with Noor. Thanks for coming on, Eric. And thanks for that session outside. We got to do so much acro yoga. I love acro yoga. The person who taught me acro yoga was John Marquise. I don't know if I told you that story, but like five to seven years ago, I was at Penn State. John Marquise brought me to acro yoga. And then I come to Baltimore, meet you, and you're just leading this whole uh, charge when it comes to acro yoga, bringing so many people to the community. And I think I met you at, at that time, it was Earth Treks, and you were. It was during the pandemic, so there were no classes. You were just in the main space with a bunch of people lifting them up. Uh, Tell me about it, man. Like, uh, what is acro yoga, maybe first and foremost? And then, two, how'd you find it? Okay, so this is my elevator pitch for acro yoga. Acro yoga is a combination of acrobatics, yoga, and Thai massage therapeutic techniques. Uh, Generally, you have three roles to play. Uh, You have your base, you have your flyer, and then you have your spotter, and that's acro yoga. Basically, if you've ever done airplane with someone, which apparently a lot of people have, uh, th- that's acro yoga. Anytime we're engaging with another person where one person is on the ground supporting another person in the air or suspending them in some way, that's acro yoga. Um, yeah, acro yoga is pretty amazing in that way. It's kind of like a, a gateway drug to partner acrobatics, which is a higher level, more gymnastic version uh, that's been around a lot longer than acro yoga. Well, that's arguable. Anyways, that's acro yoga. Yeah, I know that a lot of people, they may not know the words acro yoga, but whenever they look it up on Google and I show it to them, they're like, I've seen that somewhere. And I know that it's been going like more and more viral. I feel like in the past like 10 years more than ever, how old is like this version of acro yoga that's become popularized that's in cities right now where you just kind of go to the park in the city and you see all these people lifting each other up? That's a great question. Uh, I don't think there's a definitive answer. There are photos of like actual yogis suspending other individuals through different kinds of postures and uh, giving them stretches of sorts that are the same as what we're practicing in acro yoga. And that was like hundreds of years ago. Um, Maybe not hundreds, but it's probably been happening since, you know, people uh, realized they could interact with other people. There's actually also photos of simians and apes and zoos doing what we do in acro. It's, it's not as refined, of course, but they're like suspending another uh, friend on their feet and holding them up with their arms as well. It's like they're doing acro. I think it's just an inherent form of movement and play for you know, ambulatory mammals. Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, you're the person that I consider is like leading the charge. And I remember saying this to you, I said, Eric, Baltimore is so lucky to have you because of just how much of an impact you've been playing. And I really mean that, like on and off this podcast, I just really mean that. And I said that before, and I'm happy to say it again. Like what led you to the point where you first found acro yoga And then when did you kind of realize, I want to teach this, I want to share this? Start it there. That's a great question. That's a lot. (laughs) All right, so I, 2011, somewhere around there, started climbing. 
really into it, really bad at it, super out of shape, um, drinking a lot of alcohol, eating a lot of fast food and things, but trying to get fit. Uh, fast forward a little bit more, I hiked the Appalachian Trail. Just peace out of Philadelphia, 2011, decided I was going to change my life, uh, got rid of all my things and bought enough gear to hike the Appalachian Trail, started walking from, uh, you know, Georgia to Maine, uh, took a train down there. It was pretty cool. Crazy good experience, made it halfway, 1,115 miles. 2,181, I think, is the current mileage. They change it every year for the Appalachian Trail. Uh, anyways, ended up in Baltimore, started dating an ex. She introduces me to one of her childhood neighbor friends. He introduces me through slacklining at the time to Acro. He starts, he's like, you want to check this thing out? I know. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm usually pretty open to new experiences. And he just like, basically what I did with Sean, we went into like a front plank, folded leaf, probably like a prasareta twist into some other things. I'm just like being manipulated through space and air being supported by this other human being who was a little bit smaller than me, honestly. Uh, and it was amazing. It felt so good. And I was like, this is all I ever want to do. And then he, he left back to where he was from because he was visiting for holidays. And then that was it. No more acro for Eric. Mm. Uh, this is still 2012? This was probably about 2013 at that point. Um, that's when I was first introduced, when I had my first taste. Subsequently, um, I was in my 30s. Another friend asked me, hey, Eric, where do we, as 30-year-olds, learn to do backflips? I'm like, I don't know, but that sounds like something I want to do. So I looked it up, and there was this gym in Canton here in Baltimore. It was called Charm City Movement Arts, and they had a coach there named Lin Junming. Uh, he's from the Fujian Circus, and we started going. And I started doing some tumbling and some other things, and he was teaching something kind of akin to acro yoga. It wasn't, I wouldn't really call it acro yoga. It was more partner acrobatics and or like partner circus arts where we would do like thigh stands and uh, other multi-person forms where there's a base, a mid, and a flyer. Um, it was a little bit less therapeutic and a little bit more performative. And I thought, this is great. I love this. And that's when I met Asa Keysweater and Amy Longcrier and Kelly Marburger and Eleanor Bromwell and Anjali Sunita, who ran Baltimore Yoga Village, who was, you want to talk about somebody leading the charge in acro yoga? Anjali Sunita. Um, yeah, those are the people that I come from. So when you say you see me leading the charge, I'm like, nah, bro. Nah, I come from somewhere. I wow. just kind of picked up a mantle and ran with it as far as I could or can. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of it. Um, that's dope, dude. I feel like, one, I know a lot of the people you listed. And two, it's always nice to hear, like, the origin story of, like, what brought somebody to where they're at. Um, and just kind of remembering the mentors that brought them to that point, too. So you're you're getting the chance to experience this like out of body experience of being able to lift people and feel lifted yourself. I know um, when I've done acro, whenever I show people acro, I'm excited because it's one of the the quickest experiences I've of I can't to I can. 
like n- that doesn't happen in a lot of other things like i feel like uh like hypothetically you said climbing climbing it, you kind of have to work for it <laughs> it's a little bit like l- like for some people yeah they get the chance to say i can't and they they can on the same first day um i know also it's just a lot of hard work to get to a point where like you're, you're, you're kind of breaking through those walls and uh and i love climbing and i've noticed that acro yoga you get the chance to like quickly manipulate somebody's understanding of how they relate to their body what they thought was impossible and quickly shedding light on how much can be possible and that that's how i became so addicted to it um tell me about like so you're you're in this process you're really enjoying it and then you jump into this teacher role and what what does that look like are you just sharing with friends first and when did you say like i kind of want to lead a class whoa yeah, thanks for bringing it back around to that. I kind of go off on tangents at time. With the like the quickest route to I can't to I can, that is absolutely true. And the, I think the reason that is is because community and other individuals, they are able to reflect what you're capable of by supporting you and helping you through it. Whereas in like yoga or climbing, you're kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. You're kind of reflecting to yourself what you're capable of by uh engaging with this challenge before you, whether it be flexibility, wow. strength, or ascending, or whatever it happens to be. But acro yoga, you have a person there that's like, check this out. You can do that. You're doing it. Yeah. And it's so amazing. Um, I was with this group of individuals doing the acro. I would go to acro jams and I would just stand there. I would stand there looking at all the people doing all the cool stuff. And this Ooh, is... You said acro jams? Acro jams. Okay, okay. so... Before I was engaging with Acroyoga in the Acroyoga community that was already here, thanks to Jean-Jacques Gabriel and all these other individuals bringing Acro from like Philadelphia to here, um, the community here already existed at a place called 2640, I think, St. Paul Street. It's that old church. Um, It's a huge space, and they just had an open practice time where people would come in and practice acro yoga, slacklining, juggling, other kinds of circus arts. I think they had some, like, unicyclers in there before. Uh, And somehow, it was Eleanor Bromwell, she invited me to this jam, and I went. And I'm looking at all these people doing all these cool movement arts, and I'm like, wow, this is so great. That's so beautiful. And and then that was it. I was just watching everybody. Every once in a while, I'd get up the nerve to be like, hey, can I try that thing you're doing? And I'd totally suck at it. <laughs> uh, and that's something that a lot of acro people coming into the community's experience outside of what I feel we've created here in Baltimore. Um, anyways, so how did I start to teach? I started going to all these workshops that Jean-Jacques would offer because it was amazing to me. I engaged with the acro individuals here in Baltimore and I would go to jam after jam. I would just engage with as much acro yoga as I possibly could. Uh, At some point, I decided I just want to, this is all I want to do. I I really love the act of interacting with people. I really love uh, supporting people in a way that gives them that, oh, I can moment. Um, a little bit of background. Before I hiked the Appalachian Trail, I worked in a, an IT position for uh, like software support. And I had to learn how to articulate how to 
utilize the software without being able to see them or be seen or see what's happening. So my communication skills were really, really highly developed through that practice. And I think that's led to my ability to articulate what needs to happen when somebody is upside down. Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. At the point that I decided this is all I want to do, I knew that I needed to get an Acroyoga teacher certification. Uh, and at the time, the only place that offered that was through Jason Niemer, who was co-founder of Acroyoga.org at the time, which is Acroyoga International now. Um, they required a 200-hour yoga teacher certification. And uh, by that time, I had fallen in love with Kelly Marburger, who you should have on here, um, my wife. Dude, I want it on here. Oh, yeah, man. That's a great point. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And we decided to go together to get our Acroyoga teacher certifications. Um, And to do that, you needed an Acroyoga, or I'm sorry, a 200-hour yoga teacher certification, which we went to Baltimore Yoga Village to get with Anjali. And that was, it just blew my mind wide open. Uh, I realized that my whole concept of what yoga is was just a, a, a very remedial surface level perception. It was totally wrong. It was totally wrong. I had no idea what yoga was about. Um, Anjali fixed that for us and like provided us with just the most amazing programming that I had experienced to that point. Um, oh man, changed my world, changed my life. Has totally altered my life. Um, yeah, super beautiful. I love just like um, the experience of what you were talking about, going from jam to jam, building the excitement and then getting to a point where you're like, I need to take this training. You jumped into it. Um, Jams is where it's at. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't know what that word may mean if they've never done acro yoga. Just to get together where everybody's out, usually in a park, the sun is out. It's my favorite spot to do acro. I find it sometimes hard to do indoor jams and I don't feel like it reflects the experience as much of what acro yoga has done for me. Um, Whenever I'm outside with somebody and I get to like put them up and like wail where they're lying on their back and I'm supporting them up and they get to see the sky or the leaves, those are like some of the best moments where we both just breathe there and realize like, wow, we're like taking time away from worrying about this, worrying about work, worrying about that, worrying about anything. And we're just kind of with each other trying to figure out a couple postures. I never got the chance to take a 200 hour acro yoga training. I, I did get the chance to teach acro. Uh, I kind of just winged it, uh, you know, for better or for worse. I don't know how people feel about that. I just did my 200 hour yoga teacher training and then I was in PT school. So I was like, I feel like I, I, I feel excited to teach and share and I've been just doing acro at a bunch of jams. So I started at this climbing gym. Um, when you were taking this training, you said you had your mind blown. You got to reorient yoga. You got to reorient towards what acro yoga was. What are some of the, like, I guess, lessons that you learned from in that training or even from, from that point, like that you've just been like really hoping to share whenever you teach a class? Ooh, thanks for asking Harnor. Yeah. Um, so to be clear, I had my mind blown in Anjali Sunita's Baltimore Yoga Village 200-hour uh, yoga teacher training. Oh, okay. Um, not so much in the teacher certification program from acroyoga.org. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. I felt... Kelly and I went together. We were probably, you know, we were in the top three 
to five individuals skill level wise or practice level. Um, jams are where it's at. Uh, but jams are very, essentially an acro yoga jam is an unstructured practice time in which you can work with your partner or multiple people. And it's where it would be equivalent to like a jazz jam. It's unstructured. People bring in their instruments or their skills and they, they play together. They literally play together. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to experience. It's, it's almost art. And there's no experience required no experience like anybody you you could come up and they'll hand you a tambourine bro (laughs) (laughs) no experience required we'll get you into the jam uh with whatever you bring we got you um that said uh i'm again a tangent uh i think it's really phenomenal what a person can do through a jam by practicing outside of a jam it's like if you had a bassist go to the jazz uh, jam and they're just like doing their same programming. Like they know how to play three chords and they just keep working with that. But if you take lessons from a professional and then you go practice those and then you work in a structured class scenario, you get so good. And then when you get so good, people are like, whoa, and you get to support them in ways and you get to open up their minds and you get to play notes they've never heard. And they experience that. And it's amazing. What was the original question? It's okay, Honestly, I want to jump into that a little bit. Uh, What you talked about with independent practice and how it can support like community oriented practice. I have personally felt that in a lot of different situations. Uh, For example, when pandemic hit, I jumped really hard into independent practice. Before that, though, I was really involved in community practice. I feel like there's a, a really nice uh, center point between both where you can find yourself really excelling. Because I know there's certain people, they, they're consistently putting headphones in at the gym and they're doing so much independent practice. And uh, I feel like I, I imagine their practice lacks in some capacity. And then we see the other end where people are just... Uh, really playful and like consistently community oriented and going to those spaces. But like you said, uh, they may not have as many tools polished to then present and how beautiful it is when you get to experience a little bit of time for yourself in your practice and then what you learn from yourself presenting it, but also uh, experiencing what other people have polished and uh, and are presenting and it becomes so cyclical like the the community helping the individual practice helping the community oriented practice i feel like certain genres of movement have a lot of catering to one or the other and i with acro yoga i imagine most of the times when people are entering that field they're not thinking about independent practice they're mostly thinking about community oriented practice and then vice versa you can have like a different field uh where people are mostly thinking about independent practice and like weightlifting and not realizing you can actually gain so much by being in a community weightlifting regime as well um my, my question earlier and maybe to bring it to something that's a little more specific because i was just asking about general lessons uh, is that I got the chance to um, work with you just right outside. One thing that I, I notice right away whenever we're working together through Acro is that you are, the cue is already on the tip of your tongue. Like what the person needs, you you have like the words to help the person bridge access into their body 
quickly. And a lot of that comes from experience. Um, what What's it like for you when you first started learning how to lift people up? How the hell do I get them to do what I want in such a way that they feel supported? Yeah. Uh, so when I was talking about working in the IT position before, having to give customer support and also technical support over a phone without seeing what's happening in front of them mm-hmm. and having to like articulate appropriate questions to get the information I needed while also being able to articulate to them uh, information for step-by-step instructions of what needs to happen next. I remember an exercise within that where I was required to step-by-step write out what it would take to create a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you'll be surprised if you try this. It's, It's a really amazing practice, like how many people don't go and get the knife out of the drawer to put in the peanut butter jar. Oh, you have to open the jar before you can do that. And there's all these things that need to um, sequentially happen in order to reach the goal you're looking for. Uh, That, I think, really informs the way that I interact with individuals in Acro. Um, I, I can feel in my body where their center of gravity is, and I can... Uh, list a number of ways in which they can manipulate that for me or I can do that with them in order to make whatever pose we're in more functional. In the beginning, like most people, I would do things like feet forward. Can you bring your feet forward? Bring your feet feet forward because you're under duress. You're like supporting this human being. You're trying to like have them be in the air above you in a way that you're not muscularly challenged to uh, an extreme level. And sometimes it's really hard to articulate, uh, you know, bring your feet towards your nose, bring your feet towards my face, bring your feet towards the direction that you can see, bring it towards the wall, the window. There are a million different ways in which you can uh, say different instructions for people to follow that maybe the first one doesn't land and then you repeat it over and over, and then you're just at like an impasse. They're not picking up what you're putting down. If you say it again in a different way, it still may not land. So say it a different way. And by the third or fourth time, generally, they get the picture of what you're asking for, and they're able to accomplish it. It's just super key not to say the same thing over and over and over. Maybe yell it. No, I'm yeah, just get louder and louder. <laughs> louder and that's what's going Feet forward. I said feet forward. Feet forward. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, when I was first uh, getting the chance to like put up people, I learned it mostly because of John Marquise. He was putting up people, and no matter, I didn't even. I don't. I think he was so well conditioned. It, he didn't feel any of the stress, but I imagine there were times he was stressed. And it did not show in his voice at all. He would say, uh, whenever we, a, catas, a cataclysmic, catas, catas, catastrophic, catastrophic, but there's also cataclysmic, cata- that word, hmm. cataclysmic or catastrophic. Either oh. way, catastrophic event is about to unfold. Somebody's about to fall hard. Hmm. And all John would say is, boop, that's it. <laughs> like, like, and that was the cue that like, it's it. about to go down. And so, um, yeah, it was just really nice uh, because that's where I learned how 
what kind of tone I want whenever I'm lifting people up. And uh, not only when I'm lifting people up, but even under stress in my day-to-day life. Um, so I remember I put somebody up and uh, there's, there's many times I was getting fatigued and I was able to keep my tone. But one part, one moment that struck out the most is this person is deathly afraid that I get to put up. And it takes a lot of convincing because I'm in the early stages of Acro and I want to share it with the world. You know, any anytime I find something that I think can change the world, I'm like, let's do this. So I put this person up and right when I put them up, my uh, quad completely craps. Completely. But I know at this point, like, like... If I put them down, we're probably not going to get another chance. So I'm like, I just stay as calm as possible. I take them through a whole sequence with an entire spazzed out quad. And um, yeah, it just was one of those moments that I felt like I got the chance to like dive into maybe some of the deeper levels of what acro can do. Like how can I maintain composure even when there's stress? How can I uh, still be supportive when I want to be? Not like in a way that like is consistently me trying to push myself through cramps but like in that moment it felt called for um when you with how much you've dove into acro uh have you started noticing parallels between just how you interact with your life and i i want to ask about your life first and then i actually want to ask about your relationship with kelly Mm -hmm. and like how uh, or even relationships in general how how you've been able to navigate those conversations since you started doing acro but let's start with life like what, what are some of the bigger picture things that you noticed wow so recently um probably within the past two weeks i had three different individuals say to me as above so below <laughs> on the same day in three different contexts one what was a stranger mean? one i don't know what does it mean look okay. it up it's so if you look up as above, so below, you're going to fall into a rabbit hole. It's, it is so deep. It goes so far. Um, I'll let you guys play with that as much as you want to. I'm not here to dig into that. Um, that said, it's uh, one way to interpret it of many is macro and micro. As in the macro, so in the micro. As in acro yoga, so in life, as I relate to individuals in an acro um, communication, you could say, I do the same in my life. Um, I was talking to one individual and they had mentioned to me that the way that they eat food is exactly the way that they experience all the rest of their life. And that's in a way a way to experience as above, so below. The way I am in acro is the way I experience life. The lessons I learn in acro, all of them, all of the lessons I learned in acro are specifically applicable to all of the relationships I have in life. All of them. In class yesterday, I run a beginner class on Tuesdays from 6.15 to 7.15 at St. Luke's Church. Get into it. I asked the individuals at the end of class, what is one thing you learned in class today. And literally everything somebody said was applicable to my life. Man, I wish I could remember the things they said now. Oof. Let's bring them in here. Yeah. Let's call. Okay, let's call. <laughs> Can we call them? No, not at the moment. <laughs> one day, one no, day. We're not, we're not technologically yeah, to ready to accept calls in this podcast. I need to phone a friend. Um, but the idea that like 
the points of contact. Okay, points of contact in acro are where two people meet. It, my foot to your thigh, right? And it's been described to me at some point in time, I think it was Jean-Jacques Gabriel that said, uh, make that clear and direct, but also soft. The point of contact needs to be soft. And this is the same way in which I like to communicate ideas. I don't need to be harsh with the truth. I can communicate clearly and directly with an honesty that is soft. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned that from macro and like literally everything. Just what did you learn today while we were practicing outside? Yeah. Let me think on it. Um, before I say anything about that, mm. clear, direct, soft. That is like really opening to like how many ways you can navigate conversations and different types of tension points too that maybe people can find themselves cyclically developing whenever they're trying to like talk to somebody about something and they might notice a tension point or whatever. I just think of how many times I have let go of one of them. I may have been direct uh, but not soft, or I might have been clear, but like uh, it maybe it was uh, indirect. So just how how nice it is to have all three as a landing point to offer somebody the chance to be well communicated with. Um, as far as what I learned in our session today, I think what I learned one of many things it was to um, trust my intuition. Uh, we moved quickly uh, and. Like, I mean, within minutes, we were flying long flows very quickly. You put me up on your feet and we were going pattern after pattern. And you would say a cue and uh, I had to, I, I, I trusted your cue. I didn't think, how does this cue or relate to my body in that moment? Mostly because I know you and I know your experience. So when you said like feet together at one point, I'm in uh, straddle back and you said uh, toes together, knees apart. And... All I heard was the toes together, so I went to bring my feet together. And in any other circumstance, I would have questioned the person saying, if I bring my feet together, this is going to go crashing down. But I'm like, Eric has a plan. <laughs> so I start bringing the feet together, and you're like, you misheard. But the point is that like, I, I really was just learning how uh, to just trust in the moment and not overthink cues in that moment uh, when we were experiencing our flow together. Um with that said, can I ask you, is yeah. that applicable to the way you relate to others? I think it's a nice orientation I'm actually starting to try to develop in general towards more of my life, um, where I'm, I've been in a pretty heavy planning mode for some time, and uh, I'm really excited to not do that and uh, just more enter more of the... There was just a time in my life where I got the chance to really orient, like... And I, I would say lines like, oh, the, it's what the universe wants, you know? And it, it was just because I was consistently in a flow state of mind where if, like, I caught, like, somebody uh, gave me a call, somebody did this, I was able to just, like, respond and uh, kind of ebb and flow with whatever stimuluses were coming around. And uh, lately, with adult life, I've tried to structure it uh so so much and uh, I just have been reflecting about how I'm more interested in maybe letting go a little bit of the structure having more white space in my day to day and uh, seeing what it's like to just have the opportunity to flow again where right now if somebody said hey do you want to hang out like and they just insert a time I might be like 
I have six appointments or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's what comes to mind right now as far as how that experience relates a little bit to where I'm oriented. That's so cool. And what you just said about having this balance between structure and uh, serendipitous universal nature or flow state uh, relates back to what we were talking about with individual practice and community practice and the balance that must be struck there for the most beneficial use of your time. And I just, I love how those things are interrelated. Yeah, it's a, it's the, I don't know, uh, like the, the opposites and knowing how, like, uh, I forget who said it, maybe Einstein, that intelligence is marked by being able to hold two opposite thoughts at the same time and value them equally. Um, so I, I feel like the, a lot of the things we're talking about right now are like in opposition and yet can be married in a really beautiful way. Um, when you get the chance to uh, lift people and you talked about how it can transform relationships and so on and so forth, one of the things I notice pretty quickly is that the communication is a major key and you find out very quickly like how much patience you have, how much of a lot of things you have, like how are you able to think, how are you able to speak. And uh, that's one of the, th I think, the easiest lessons to gather from acro yoga is how can I c just communicate with another human and uh, to create these beautiful shapes. Um, when you started learning about communication and how to like help people connect and help yourself connect with somebody, uh, how did that start transforming your relationships? I know you and Kelly, you both get to travel uh, the world at times and teach acro yoga. Like I saw you guys at Interfusion, one of the biggest festivals uh, centered around acro yoga uh, in the country and also Zook and other things. Um, with you getting the chance to work with her in in this field, how has it transformed not only you and her's relationship, but also relationships in general? Like I know with Asa too, another great uh, acro yogi base and flyer. How has uh, just getting the chance to be an acro changed or shifted how you guys talk to one another? That's that's a lot. So I don't have a great answer for that right off the top of my head. I would actually have to delve into that a little bit. I'll try to scratch the surface. Um, I've noticed that in more surface level relationships, it's easier to do that communication and practice in deeper, more intimate relationships like I have with my wife, Kelly, or even Asa, who I've been practicing with since I began this journey. Um, communication starts to get a little more challenging in the face of acro because the way that we practice acro, and I'm calling it acro now rather than acro yoga, um, that's a whole nother tangent. Uh, it brings out a lot of what is necessary to communicate and it brings out a lot of necessary negativity that needs to be resolved in order to have this functional communication. Um, Asa Keyswitter, Kelly Marburger, Amy Longcrier in the beginning and most of it uh, Libby Jones at some times I would even consider uh, uh, Ben 
Vogueline to be a part of what is called Club Sandwich, which is an acrobatic troupe here in Baltimore that I'm in and have been since like 2014, maybe somewhere around there. And we've been practicing, teaching, performing as a group longer than anybody else in the States. Literally, we are the longest held acro troupe that I'm aware of. Um, this is a number of years and people can look that up and let me know if I'm wrong, but I don't think it is. Uh, and that has created a lot of tension sometimes when we're practicing. And so the communication can be challenging because you're not only communicating with your words, your eyes, your tone, your physicality, uh, that's one of the beautiful things about acro is that it's not just a communication of verbal and visual. It's also physical communication, which is amazing. So I would say that sometimes acro is harder to practice with more intimate relationships because it's going to bring up more volatile emotions that can then be worked through, which is great. But in the moment that you're trying to like throw somebody up in the air and catch them again, maybe not the best mm. can be challenging. I'm so happy you brought that up. I feel like um, it's just important to recognize the layers of any type of relationship. And that like, as you get to know anybody, like maybe in the beginning, you just present a certain, like how you said, when you're in the more superficial layers with somebody, you can almost uh, maintain like your... A persona. A persona. Your mask, right. if you will. Right. And then when you start doing acro with the people that you've been knowing for years, it's just going to be a representation of where's the relationship at. Currently, relationships are going to have a lot of high and low moments, and that's just what it means to be human. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm happy you shared that because I almost posed the question in such a way that like would have given like a a heartwarming response that like like that just filled with daisies and it's really nice to remember that acro yoga is a relationship being built through the art of movement and relationships have everything in them you know like well uh, unless you just get through the honeymoon phase and you cut it and run oh man then it's just nice then it's just nice <laughs> but as soon as you have to work through layers yeah you gotta when you're practicing for years and years the intimacy gets really deep and you start to uncover some of your childhood trauma in practice you may or may not be aware that that's what's happening at the time but you are reliving like old experiences through this practice over and over and over and i don't think that's specifically true of acro or acro yoga or partner acrobatics. I think it also is involved in dance and any kind of situation in which you are relating to other people. I mean, that's just, it's just life. Yeah, I, I almost could feel like it's, it's related to anybody who's in a skill development process. Like it can even be like some solo practices. And um, I just think of a jazz pianist or anybody who's going to show up to the craft and not only refine the craft but learn about themselves as they refine the craft and the more that they refine their craft and go through the process the more that it's going to start mirroring themselves and they get the chance to start uncovering their own layers through the through that process i like uh what what uh one of my teachers um I, I got to learn under the lineage of Ido and uh, like I learned under Matt Bernstein and Daniel Flores from Ape Co. But uh, one thing that Ido had said 
uh, was that he said, point me to a good process and I don't care what the process is. And uh, it's interesting because, um, yeah, that it's kind of what we're all maybe after in a way. It's just a, a process that helps start mirroring you and your in in what you want, um, or in what you plan and what you would hope to learn through it. While you have been now, just I'm gonna kind of jump into a, a a little bit of a different topic. Um, when you started finding yourself as a teacher, you teach now. You're teaching very often. How do you know that you've uh, taught a successful class like what what are some of the markers that you go and said i really did it like yeah this was a great class it, it changes from day to day mm. uh i would say at this point in my teaching career which has been you know weekly classes for over seven years now like weekly classes but that's thousands of hours of teaching um, not to mention the festivals, the traveling to teach, and all the privates that I've done, and all the jams where you end up teaching. By the way, at jams, it's an unstructured practice time, but everyone that goes there is a teacher. Um, totally besides the point. I would say that in order to have a successful class, the majority of people would have to feel some sort of accomplishment or happiness, joy connection, that they're all provided with what they needed from that experience. Whether or not they're able to like complete a skill, I don't give a shit. Like They'll get that at some point if that's what they want. What people are coming to class for isn't to like get the big lemois or to accomplish a hand-to-hand. It's to feel the connection and to feel the accomplishment and the self-worth or possibly potentially the acceptance from a community as opposed to the skill. That's not important. Skills are okay. Skills are fun. And just like you were saying before, you said you're changing the subject, but in the practice of refining something, we are refining ourselves. When we go to class, we are learning a skill, but also we're learning about ourselves. And so I think in order for a class to be successful in my eyes at this point, people need to feel like they got out of it what they came to find. Whatever that happens to be, and it's different for everybody. I kind of assess that just by looking at people's faces and seeing if they're smiling. Yeah. If- <laughs> Take me through one of your classes. Like for somebody who's maybe never even tried Acre Yoga, they've been excited by everything we're saying. What, what, what do you build in a class and how can somebody kind of live a little bit of it? Yeah, well... Um, I've been through three different uh, acro teacher certification processes. Um, I have some sort of weird amalgamation of the process I've learned from all of those and what I've experienced. Generally, we go to class, we sit in a circle, we say our names uh, so people know who's in the class with them and maybe they can like interact with them on a more personal level. We now say our pronouns because that's important to a lot of people on the planet. So do that. Um, do that. Say your pronouns. Uh, then we talk about whether or not we have any injuries that are related to class. I usually make some joke like if you woke up and your leg was broken, maybe you want to let us know. Or if your ears are bleeding, just, you know, maybe take it cool today. Uh, and then we talk about some sort of icebreaker question, which I make up on the spot generally. Um, then we do a warm up, 
We engage in some sort of practice, which is a progression of skills that are scalable. So like, say, if people have been coming for a long time, I can give them variations with uh, less points of contact, more rigidity in the body for the flyer and uh, various other things. But it can also be scaled down. So somebody coming to class for the very first time is still able to accomplish the skill, just not particularly necessarily the highest presentation of it, if you will, just like in yoga. Um, after everybody has a good time doing that, fulfilling all the roles of flyer base and spotter as they see fit, because we're all autonomous beings on the planet and we get to choose what we do. Uh, we sit in another circle and I like to do a sequence of saying names, pronouns, and some other kind of like, just get to know you thing. Like, how do you feel one word in this moment? Like after class, cause it's usually pretty good. Uh, and that's nice to get the feedback. Um, after that, I have everybody place their hands on the individual's knees to their left and right, and we pronounce the word OM three times in sequence together. And those are some of the best OMs I've ever heard in my life. If you're physically connected to the beings around you in a circuit, in a circle, and you then reverberate this beautiful, meaningful Sanskrit word OM together, it's, it's just so freaking harmonious. It's beautiful. That's a class. Yeah, I've gotten to attend uh, a couple of your classes, and uh, it's been such a joy because of how much you cater to a level of respect. You you respect every single person and let there be boundaries of respect. It's something that I took note of in your classes, how you talk about those things so quickly and in such a way that lets people feel empowered to try a skill and not try a skill. And then also, it's so playful. And I think that's a big word that I would use to describe just kind of how you move through life is playful. Um, how do you, and th this might be one of the last questions actually, is how do you feel when it comes to like, uh, you have this acro yoga, it lets you play so often. Um, what 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 is some of the things that you've learned through that concept of play and how do you feel like you've been bringing play into your life? Hmm. Acro yoga is a way in which we can play with one another. And that's not something we often get to do any longer as we get older. You have a lot of play in preschool, not so much at your corporate job. Uh, thank you for saying that you see me as a playful individual or a person that moves through life in a playful manner. Uh, that's kind of meaningful to me. I appreciate that. I think maybe that's the answer to the question. Mm -hmm. You see me practice acro regularly every day, generally every day I'm doing some acro. Uh, and I have been for years and it's a very playful practice. And so you see me as a very playful person. Um, I don't know if I was drawn to the practice cause I am playful or if I'm playful because of the practice as above, so below, I don't know. As above, so below. Well, thank you for coming on, Eric. Um, you have classes. What time are they? Uh, when, what, how many times a week are we talking? Good. Three times a week. Beginner class. Tuesday, 6.15 to 7.15, St. Luke's Church on the Avenue across from the Charmery. Wednesdays, 7 to 8.30, all levels class. So 
those two, anybody are welcome to. Uh, and then Thursday is the intermediate class, which is leads from intermediate to advanced practitioners. Not everybody is going to get a lot from that if you're just beginning. And that's from 6 to 7.30 at St. Luke's Church as well. That's followed by an acro jam directly thereafter at the church as well. So you get to practice what you've learned. Uh, there's also a jam on Sundays. Uh, Baltimore Acro Yoga Jam is a Facebook group. You can join to find out about all the information surrounding acro in the area, uh, including like DC and Philly, uh, any kinds of goings on or there. You also have an Instagram. I have an Instagram at Sipes, S-I-P as in Peter E-S. I also just started um, a new business with photography and videography called Pivotal Visuals. Uh, and you can find that on pivotalvisuals.com and at Pivotal Visuals on Instagram. Say that five times. Pivotal visuals, pivotal visuals, pivotal visuals, pivotal visuals, pivotal visuals. It is kind of a tongue twister, though. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you, Eric. I definitely want to have you on more times. Let's definitely dive into. I know you just briefly talked about acro yoga versus uh, partner acrobatics. I didn't get to dive in that with you, but we, we should definitely dive down some of these more nuanced topics another time. Thank you so much, Hartnor, for having me on. This feels really good to have this conversation and this interaction with both you and Sean. Yeah. A lot of love always to Sean for Mm. producing this podcast. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. (laughs) We did it. A podcast.